0: Greenwich by Susan Cooper, Chapter 8 When Simon and Jane arrived back at the cottage, they found Fran Stanton setting out plates on the dining-room table. "'Hi,' she said. "'Want some lunch?' Mrs. Penhallow had to leave, but she made some great-looking Cornish pasties. "'I can smell them,' Simon said hungrily. "'Lovely,' said Jane. "'Did you have a good time where you went?' "'We didn't go far,' Mrs. Stanton said." St. Austell round there, clay pits and factories and that sort of thing. She wrinkled her friendly face. Still, after all, that's what Bill came over for, and there's a real magic about those big white clay pyramids and the pools so quiet at the bottom of them. Such green water. Are you having fun? What's everyone doing? Will and Great Uncle Mary went for a walk. "'Barney's over at the Grey House with Captain Tom's. "'We're supposed to go there, too, this afternoon. "'The captain wants us all to stay for supper,' Jane said, boldly improvising. "'That is, if you don't mind.' "'Perfect,' Fran Stanton said. "'Bill and I shan't be eating here anyway. "'I left him seeing some guy near St. Hostel, "'and I have to go back tonight to pick him up. "'This afternoon I came back just to be lazy. "'Let's eat, and you can tell me all about that Greenwich deal "'I wasn't allowed to watch, Jane.' So Jane, with some difficulty, gave a description of the making of the Greenwich as of a gay all-night party, an outing for the local girls, while Simon wolfed down Cornish pasties and tried not to catch her eye. Mrs. Stanton listened happily, shaking her blonde head in admiration. "'It's just wonderful the way these old customs are kept up,' she said. "'And I think it's great they wouldn't let a foreigner watch. "'So many of our Indians back home, "'they let the white man in to watch their native dances, "'and before you know it, the whole thing's just a tourist trap.' "'I'm glad you weren't offended,' Jane said. "'We were afraid—' "'Oh, no, no, no,' said Mrs. Stanton. "'Why, I've already got enough material "'to give a great paper on this trip to my travel group back home.' "'We have this club, you see. "'It meets once a month, "'and at each meeting some one gives a little talk, "'with slides, on somewhere she's been. "'This is the first time,' she added, a trifle wistfully, "'I shall have had anywhere unusual to talk about, "'except Jamaica, and everyone one else has been there, too.' "'Afterwards Jane said to Simon, "'as they scrambled down towards the harbour, "'She's rather sweet, really. "'I'm glad she'll have us to talk about to her club.' "'The natives and their quaint old customs,' Simon said. "'Come on, you aren't even a native. "'You're one of they furriners from London.' "'But I'm not so much outside at all as she is. "'Not her fault. "'She just comes from such a long way away. "'She isn't plugged in. "'Like all those people who go to the museum "'and look at the grail and say, "'Oh, how wonderful, "'without the least idea of what it really is.' "'You mean people who used to look at it when it was there?' "'Oh, Lord, yes.' "'Well, anyway,' said Jane, "'we'd be the same as Mrs. Stanton if we were in her country.' "'Of course we would. That's not the point.' They bickered amiably as they crossed the quay and started up the hill towards the grey house. Pausing to get her breath, Jane looked back the way they had come. All at once she clutched the wall beside her and stood there staring. "'Simon!' "'What is it?' "'Look!' Down in the harbour, in the very centre of the quay, was the painter, the Man of the Dark. He sat on a folding stool before an easel, with a knapsack open on the ground beside him, and he was painting. There was no urgency in his movements. He sat there, tranquil and unhurried, dabbing at the canvas. Two visitors paused behind him to watch. He paid them no attention, but went serenely on with his work. "'Just sitting there,' Simon said, astounded. It's a trick, it must be. Perhaps he has an accomplice, someone off doing things for him while he attracts our attention. Simon said slowly, There was no sign of anyone else having been in the caravan, and the farm looked as if it had been empty for years. Let's go and tell the captain. But there was no need to tell him. "'At the grey house they found Barney perched in a small high room "'overlooking the harbour, studying the painter "'through Captain Tom's largest telescope. "'The old man himself, having let them in, remained below. "'This foot of mine,' he said ruefully, "'isn't too grand at climbing up and down stairs.' "'But I bet you he could see as much with his eyes shut, "'if he wanted to, as I can see through this thing,' Barney said, "'squinting down the telescope with one eye closed and his face screwed up.' "'He's special, you know, just like Gomeri. "'They're the same kind.' "'But what kind is that, I wonder?' said Jane thoughtfully. "'Who knows?' Barney stood up, stretching. "'A weird kind, a super kind, the kind that belongs to the light.' "'Whatever that is.' "'Yes, whatever that is.' "'Hey, Jane, look at this.' Simon was bending to the eyepiece of the telescope. "'It's fantastic, like being right on top of him. "'You can practically count his eyelashes.' "'I've been staring at that face so long "'I could draw it from memory,' Barney said. "'Simon was glued to the lens, entranced. "'It's as good as being able to hear everything he says. "'You might even be able to lip-read. "'You can see every single little change of expression.' "'That's right,' Barney said. "'He looked casually out of the window, "'breathed on the pane,' drew a little face in the misted patch of glass, and then rubbed it out again. "'The view of his face is terrific. The only trouble is there's no view of his painting at all.' Jane had taken her turn at the telescope now. She gazed nervously at the face caught out of the distance by the powerful lens, a dark-browed face, grim with concentration, framed by the long unruly hair. "'Well, yes, from this angle, of course, you're just looking at the back of the easel,' "'looking down at his face over the top of the canvas. "'But that's not important, is it?' "'It is, if you're an artist, like Barney,' Simon said. "'He clasped his head, striking an extravagant artistic pose. "'Ha, ha,' said Barney, with heavy patience. "'It's not just that. "'I thought the picture might be important.' "'Why?' "'I don't know. "'Captain Toms did ask me what he was painting.' "'What did he say when you said you couldn't see?' "'He didn't say anything.' "'Well, then.' (sighs) "'Your painter doesn't change his expression one bit, does he?' Jane was still peering. "'Just sits there, glaring at the canvas. Funny.' "'Not very funny,' Simon said. "'He's a glaring sort of man.' "'No, I mean it's funny that he doesn't look anywhere else.' "'If you watch Mother when she's painting a landscape, "'you can see her eyes going up and down all the time, flickering, "'from whatever it is she's painting down to the picture and then back again, "'but he's not doing that at all.' "'Let me have another look.' "'Barney edged her aside and stared eagerly into the lens, "'grabbing his blonde forelock out of the way. "'You know you're right. Why didn't I notice that?' "'He thumped his knee against with his fist.' "'I still don't see what there is to get excited about,' Simon said mildly. "'Well, perhaps it's nothing, but let's go and tell Captain Toms anyway.' They clattered down three flights of stairs and into the book-lined living room at the front of the house. Rufus stood up and waved his tail at them. Captain Toms was standing beside one of the bookcases, gazing at a small book open in his hands. He looked up as they rushed to him and closed the book.' "'What news, citizens?' he said. Barney said, "'He's still sitting there painting, but Jane just noticed something. "'He's not painting from life. "'I mean, he just looks at the canvas, "'without even glancing at anything else at all.' "'So he might just as well be painting in his caravan as painting here,' "'said Simon, his mind now in gear. (sighs) "'So he can't really be here to paint. "'He must be here for some other reason.' "'That may be quite right,' Captain Toms said. "'He parted the books on the nearest shelf carefully "'and slipped his volume back. "'And then again it may not be quite right.' "'What do you mean?' Jane said. "'The painting and the other reason may be one and the same thing. "'The only trouble is,' Captain Toms stared up at his books "'as if willing them to speak.' I CAN'T FOR THE LIFE OF ME WORK OUT WHAT THAT THING IS ALL ABOUT. HOUR AFTER HOUR THEY WATCHED, IN TURN. AT LENGTH AFTER AN EARLY SUPPER THAT MIGHT EQUALLY HAVE BEEN CALLED A LATE TEA, Jane and Simon sat again in the book-clothed living-room with Captain Toms. He puffed contentedly at a friendly-smelling pipe, grey hair wisping out round his bald head like the tonsure of some genial old monk.' "'It'll be dark soon,' Jane said, looking out at the orange-red sunset sky. "'He'll have to stop painting, then.' "'Yes, but he's still at it,' Simon said, "'or Barney would have come down from the Erie. He prowled round the room, peering at the pictures that hung between the bookcases. "'I remember these ships from last year. "'The Golden Hind, the Mary and Ellen, the Lottery. "'That's a funny name for a ship.' So it is, said Captain Toms, I but suitable. And uh, yeah, strung them together, <laughs> so if I, like, throw one in the grass and the other in the grass, but, and they're tight, they will like a trip line. uh uh-huh. very cool, very good cool indeed. Very good for a ninja. So it is, said Captain Toms, but suitable. A lottery is a gamble of sorts, and she was owned by gamblers of sorts. "'She was a famous smuggler's ship.' "'Smugglers?' Simon's eyes gleamed. "'A regular trade it was in Cornwall two hundred years ago. "'Smuggling. They didn't even call it that. "'They called it fair trading. "'Fast little boats they had, beautiful sailors. "'Many a fair trader's boat was built right here in Troisic.' "'The old man gazed absently down at his pipe, "'turning it in his fingers, his eyes distant.' "'But the tale of the lottery is a black tale, "'about an ancestor of mine I sometimes wish I could forget, "'though it's better to remember. "'Out of Polparo the lottery was, a beauty before the wind. "'Her crew had years of fair trading, never caught, "'until one day east of here a revenue-cutter came up with her, "'both ships fired on one another, and a revenue-man was killed. "'Well, now, killing was a different thing from smuggling.' "'so all the crew of the lottery became hunted men. "'Tisn't hard to escape capture in Cornwall, "'and for a while they were all safe, "'and they might have been for longer, "'but one of the crew, Roger Toms, "'gave himself up to the revenue "'and turned King's evidence, "'telling them it was a shipmate of his "'called Tom Potter that fired the dire shot.' "'And Roger Toms was your ancestor,' Jane said. "'He was, poor misguided fellow,' The folk of Polpero took him and set him on a boat bound for the Channel Isles, so he shouldn't be able to give evidence against Tom Potter in court. But the revenue brought him back again, and Tom Potter was arrested and tried at the Old Bailey in London, and hanged. "'And wasn't Potter guilty?' Simon said. "'No one knows to this day. Polpero folk claimed he was innocent. Some even said Roger Toms fired the shot himself.' but they may just have been protecting one of their own, for Tom Potter was born in Polperro, but Roger Toms was a truissic man. Simon said severely, "'He shouldn't have sneaked on his shipmate, even if Potter did do it. That's like murder.' "'So it was, Captain Toms,' said gently. "'So it was. And Roger Toms never dared set foot in Cornwall again from that day until the day he died. But no one ever knew his real motives.' Some Trewisic folk say that Potter was guilty, and that Toms gave him up for the sake of all the wives and children, thinking it sure that unless the one guilty man was, were accused, sooner or later all the crew of the lottery would be taken and hanged. But most think black thoughts of him. He is the town's shame, not forgotten even yet. He looked out of the window at the darkening sky, and the blue eyes in the round cherubic face were suddenly hard." The very best and the very worst have come out of Cornwall and come into her, too. Jane and Simon stared at him, puzzled. Before they could say anything, Barney came into the room. Your turn, Simon. Captain, do you think I could go and get some more of that super cake? Hungry work, watching, said Captain Toms solemnly. Of course you may. Thank you. Barney paused for a moment at the door, glancing round the room. "'Watch this,' he said, and he reached for a switch, and turned on the lights. "'Goodness,' said Jane, blinking in the sudden brightness, "'it got really dark. We hadn't noticed. We were talking.' "'And he's still sitting out there,' Barney said. "'Still? In the dark? How can he paint in the dark?' "'Well, he is.' "'He may not be painting what's in front of him, "'but he's still putting paint on that canvas cool as a cucumber. "'The moon's up. "'It's only a half-moon, but it gives enough of a glimmer "'that you can still see him through the glass. "'I tell you, he must be stark, raving nuts.' "'Simon said, "'You don't remember the caravan. "'He's not nuts. "'He's from the dark.' "'He went out of the room and up the stairs. "'Shrugging, Barney headed for the kitchen to fetch his cake.' Jane said, "'Captain Toms, when will Gamery be back?' "'When he has found out what he went to find out. Don't worry. They will come straight to us.' Captain Toms heaved himself to his feet, reaching for his stick. "'I think I might, perhaps, take a look through that telescope, too, now, if you'll excuse me for a moment, Jane.' "'Can you manage?' "'Oh, yes, thank you. I just take my time.' He hobbled out, and Jane went to kneel on the window-seat, staring out at the harbour. A wind was rising out there. She could hear it beginning to whine softly in the window-frames. She thought, "'He'll get cold out there soon, the painter from the dark. Why does he stay there? What's he doing?' The wind grew. The moon went out. The sky was dark, and Jane could no longer see the pattern of clouds that had been dimly visible before. All at once she realized that she could hear the sea. Normally the soft swish of the waves against the harbour wall made a constant low music that was part of life. Being always there, it was scarcely heard. But now the sound of each wave was distinct. She could hear each smack and splash. The sea, like the wind, was rising.' Simon and Captain Toms came back into the room. Jane saw their reflections ghostly in the window, and turned. "'Can't see him any more,' Simon said. "'There's no light, but I don't think he's gone.' Jane looked at Captain Toms. "'What should we do?' The old sailor's face was troubled, creased with thinking. He tilted his head, listening to the wind. "'I shall wait a little to see what the weather does.' for more reasons than you might think. After that, after that we shall see. Barney appeared in the doorway, munching a large piece of bright yellow cake. Goodness, said Jane brightly, to stop herself listening to the sea, you must have eaten the whole plateful by now. Oomph, Barney said. He swallowed. Do you know he's still there? What? They stared at him. I haven't just been stuffing myself in the kitchen. I popped out round the back and crossed the road in front here to look down from the harbour wall. Thought he might see the light if I opened the front door. And he's still there, right where he was. He really must be cracked, you know, Simon. Dark or not, I mean he's sitting there in the darkness at his easel, still painting. Still painting in the pitch dark. He's got some sort of light. It's only by the glow that you can see he's there. But all the same, really... Captain Toms sat down abruptly in an armchair. He said half to himself, "'I don't like it. It makes no sense. I try to see, and there is only shadow.' "'The wind's making a lot more noise now,' Jane said. She shivered. "'Out there you can hear the waves really crashing against the headland,' Barney said cheerfully. He crammed the last of his cake into his mouth. Simon said, "'Is there going to be a storm, Captain?' The old man gave no answer. He sat hunched in his chair, staring into the empty fireplace. Rufus, who had been lying peaceably on the hearth-rug, got up and licked his hand, whining. A sudden gust of wind whistled in the chimney and rattled the front door. Jane jumped. "'Oh, dear,' she said, "'I hope Gameri's all right. I wish we'd arranged for some great big signal to bring him back if we wanted him, like Indians and smoke-signals.' "'Just a fire you'd need, now it's dark,' Barney said. "'A beacon-fire.' "'In these parts,' Captain Toms said abstractedly, "'beacon-fires date back as far as the men who have always lighted them. "'A warning from the beginning of time.' "'He leaned forwards, his hands clasped together over the top of his carved walking-stick, "'and he gazed unseeingly in front of him as if he were looking back into endless centuries, "'oblivious of the room and the children in it.' When he spoke again, the voice seemed younger, clearer, stronger, so that they paused in astonishment where they stood. "'And when last the dark came rising in this land,' Captain Tom said, "'it came from the sea, and the men of Cornwall lit beacon-fires everywhere to warn of its coming. "'From Estals to Tricobben to Carnbrea the warning fires sprang.' from St. Agnes to Belovely to St. Bellarmine's Tor, and on out to Cadbarrow and Ruff Tor and Brown Willie, and the last was at Vellandrucar, and there the light gave battle to the dark. The forces of the dark were driven back to the sea, and might have escaped that way to attack again, but the lady brought home a west wind that threw all their hope of escape dry upon the shore, and so the forces of the dark were vanquished for that time." Yet the first of the old ones gave prophecy that once more from that same sea and shore the dark should one day come rising. He stopped abruptly, and they were left staring at him. Simon said huskily at last, Is, is the dark rising now? I don't know. Captain Toms said simply in his normal voice, "I think not, Simon. It is all but impossible for them to rise yet, but in that case, something else is happening that I do not understand at all. He stood up, leaning on the arm of the chair. I think perhaps it is time that I went out there to see what I can see. We'll come with you, said Simon at once. Are you sure to tell the truth, Jane said. "'Whatever happens out there, I think we'd rather come with you than stay on our own.' "'Too true,' Barney said. Captain Toms smiled. "'Get your jackets, then. Rufus, you stay here. Stay.' Leaving the red dog resentful on the hearth-rug, they went out of the grey house and crept down the hill slowly at the captain's painful pace. At the bottom, where the downhill road joined the quay, The old man drew them gently into the shadow of a warehouse at the back of the harbour. Standing huddled there, whipped by the wind blowing in from the sea, they could see the painter from the dark, not twenty yards from them, at the edge of the sea. The light around him made him clear. As Jane looked at him for the first time, she gasped, and heard the same instinctive strangled sound from the others. For the painter had no flashlight to make the pool of brightness that surrounded him. The light came from his painting. Green and blue and yellow it glowed there in the darkness, in great writhing, seething patterns like a nest of snakes. Seeing it now for the first time, Jane felt an instant dreadful revulsion from the picture, its shape and colour and mood, yet she could not take her eyes from it. The man was still painting even now with the wind grabbing at his clothes and tilting his easel towards him so that he had to hold it still with one hand he was yet daubing away frenziedly with a brush full of these strange horrible colours and to jane's bemused eye it seemed that all the colours came from the brush itself without the least pause for taking up new paint it's horrible barney said violently he spoke with great force unthinking but the wind whipped the words out of his mouth as soon as they were uttered. The painter, standing to windward, would not have heard him, even if he had yelled at the top of his lungs. "'Now I see!' Captain Toms suddenly thumped his stick on the ground, staring at the picture. "'That's it! Now I understand! He has painted his spells! Manna and wreck and lear. The power is all in the picture! I had forgotten it could be done! Now I see! Now I see!' but too late, too late!' Jane said fearfully into the wind, "'Too late?' And the wind rose howling in their ears, lashing at their faces, flinging salt spray into their eyes. There was no rain, nor any lightning or thunder. They heard only the wind and the crashing of the sea. They staggered backwards against the wall, pinned to it by the gale, Out on the quay the painter hunched his broad shoulders forwards, leaning into the wind to hold himself upright. He flung away his brush. Paints and papers rushed away from him and were gone on the wind. All that he held was the strange, glimmering canvas. He raised it above his head and shouted some words in a tongue the children did not understand. And suddenly they heard a sound like nothing they had ever heard from the sea before— a great sucking, hissing noise, echoing from side to side of the little harbour. The wind died away. There was all at once a strong, very strong smell of the sea, a smell not of decay, but of foam, and waves, and fish, and seaweed, and tar, and wet sand, and shells. For a second the moon sailed out from behind a broken cloud, and they saw a great sideways impossible wave roll back to each side of the harbour, and up out of the water came a towering dark shape, twice as high as a man, looming over the painter, bringing with it even more overpoweringly the tremendous smell of the sea. The painter flung up his arms holding the canvas, thrusting it at the great black shape, and cried out in a voice that cracked with strain, Stay, stay, I charge you. Captain Toms spoke softly, wonderingly, half to himself. Watch for the Green Witch, he said. End of chapter 8